TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat, about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Cindy O'Meara, and once again, I'm here without the other chatters, Karen and Kim, but instead, I'd like to invite you to listen in on an interview that I did with Dr. Jeffrey Smith. Jeffrey Smith is a passionate advocate about having knowledge on genetically modified organelles or GM. Listen in and hear his inspiring information that may make you think twice about the ingredients that are in your foods. He's also been a part of my inspiration to create the documentary What's With Wheat. Hi, this is Cindy O'Meara from Changing Habits and welcome to the 2014 Transform Your Health webinar series. This series is free and we'll be interviewing leading experts speaking on health and well-being every month. Last month, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Dr. Jack Cruz and in the coming months, I will be interviewing many other celebrated authors from around the globe who are interested in changing health paradigms. The purpose of these webinar series is to educate and give you more information in order to empower you to take responsibility for you and your family's life. Tonight, I have Jeffrey Smith on the line. I had the absolute pleasure of meeting Jeffrey last year in Byron Bay at the Uplift Festival. Uh, when I saw Jeffrey walking around by himself, I intruded on his space and let him know that I had been following his work for many years and thanked him for what he was, had done in educating people about genetically modified foods and being an absolute passionate consumer advocate. Uh, I also got a photo, by the way, everybody. Uh, his message is well-researched and goes over and above anyone I've read um, with, with the knowledge of GMO. Jeffrey's books include Seeds of Deception, Exposing Industry and Government Lies About the Safety of Genetically Engineered Foods You're Eating, uh, which has become the world's bestseller on GMOs, and Genetic Roulette, the Documented Health Risks of Genetically Engineered Foods, uh, which is authoritative work on GMO health dangers. Jeffrey also has a feature-length documentary called Genetic Roulette, The Gamble of Our Lives. It's been awarded the 2012 Movie of the Year um, through the Solari Report and the Transformational Film of the Year Award Guide. It's described as a life changer and seen by millions worldwide. The film links genetically engineered food to toxic and allergic reactions, infertility, digestive disorders, and numerous problems that have been on the rise not only in the U.S. population, but around the world since genetically modified organisms were first introduced. Now, I'd like to welcome Jeffrey, and um, at the end of uh, this hour that we have with Jeffrey, we'll be talking about where you can find him, uh, how you can understand these concepts more if we haven't explained everything in this first hour. But I've heard Jeffrey speak. Um, and my gosh, he gives all and gives all his information. So welcome, Jeffrey. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm so glad that we ran into each other in Byron Bay. <laughs> yeah, look, it was great. I was just, I was floored when I saw you just wandering around by yourself and I went, oh, this is my opportunity. So, um, <laughs> and it was lovely. It was absolutely lovely just having a chat with you. Uh, so look, let's get started. Um, I just want to know, you know, what got you so interested in researching um, GMOs and being such a whistleblower? Well, actually, I went to a lecture by a scientist who was a genetic engineer who was completely alarmed and was blowing the whistle himself on the fact that the technology that he knew so intimately and had done award-winning research on was definitely not ready to be used for food or even released outdoors in plants where the self-propagating pollution of the gene pool, the the cross-pollinization, the movement of seeds would cause irreversible pollution of the gene pool forever. And he pointed out very specifically why the process of genetic engineering was generically prone to side effects and how the foods that were created from the technology could create diseases and allergic reactions and toxic reactions and nutritional problems. And yet, companies like Monsanto and DuPont and Dow and 
Syngenta and Bayer, they were going forward with planting GMOs and putting them in the food supply, even though there was very, very good reason to assume that people would get sick as a result. And I was listening to it from a scientific perspective, and my background was in communications and education and marketing and strategy, and I was looking at that and saying, there is absolutely nothing like this on the planet, nothing that has the, the effects could outlast that of global warming, of, of, of uh, nuclear waste. The only thing that lasts longer than genetic pollution is extinction, and there was nothing that was so vastly impactful for all humans that ate. And I realized this scientist needs some help, so I started to translate his concerns into English that everyone could understand, and I haven't stopped. So I've been doing that for almost for more than 18 years, and uh, it turns out that it's had a big effect because when people realize how dangerous genetically modified foods are, they change their habits and avoid GMOs, and that has started a huge revolution in the United States and in places around the world. Well, thank goodness you went to that lecture because, you know, you have, you're one of the people that I know that um, I heard of first very, uh, quite a few years ago. I think when you first put your book out is when I first heard of it. So can you explain to us what genetically modified, like there's so many terms, there's GM, there's GMO, there's GE. Can you explain these terms and explain to us what it all is, what it is? Yes, I use all of those terms interchangeably. Not everyone does, but here's what I describe as genetically modified or genetically engineered. Uh, normally, you create new plants or organisms through sexual reproduction. You have a mother and father, and upon mating, the genes will combine and then reform some traits from the mom and some traits from the dad. With genetic engineering, you identify one or more genes in one organism, and then you isolate it, pull it out, and then force it into the DNA of another organism. So they have actually put spider genes into goats in the hopes that they could milk goats to get spiderweb protein to make bulletproof vests. They've put cow genes in pigs so that the pigs have cow hides. They have done all sorts of mixing and matching across species and kingdoms. And for the food that we eat, the primary use for genetic engineering is to put genes from bacteria and viruses into plants so that the plants can either be sprayed with weed killer and not die or produce their own toxic insecticide to kill insects. And those nine genetically modified food crops, which are available in the United States and many around the world, are the GMOs currently out there, but they're patented they make a lot of money for the seed companies, and the stated goal of the seed companies like Monsanto is to genetically engineer all commercial seeds, and not just seeds. Now they're genetically engineering insects, fish, livestock, etc., that are in some aspect of the pipeline waiting to be approved. you got to wonder how this has uh, been allowed, even by you explaining it um it just doesn't seem right. It just seems like it's going to destroy um, the natural order of things um, because it, this can't happen in normal natural order of things, can it? Well, no, you, you can't do quite the combinations that they're doing with GMOs. Um, and not only are the combinations unique, crossing normal barriers for kingdoms and species, but the process of genetic engineering creates massive collateral damage and side effects. So, for example, in Monsanto's corn that produces an insecticide, the process of genetic engineering, which involved shooting millions of genes with a gene gun into a plate of millions of cells and then cloning those cells into a plant, that caused 43 different genes to dramatically change their activity. One was shut off normally in corn, and when it switched on, it produced an allergen. So people eating Monsanto's corn might get an allergic reaction, which of course can be potentially deadly, and that's from the background noise, the process itself, the side effects. In their soybeans, there is something called trypsin inhibitor. It's found in all soybeans, but in Monsanto's soybeans, it's as much as seven times the amount 
of cooked for cooked GM soy compared to cooked non-GM soy. And trypsin inhibitor is a known allergen, and mm-hmm. it also can cause significant digestive problems and potentially organ damage. So we have the the generic technology is not safe and is certainly not simply inserting a gene into another crop. It is it involves hundreds or thousands of mutations and changes in gene expression for up to a thousand genes. Can you just explain um, this BT corn, uh, like, um, and what it's doing? Like, it's um, it's an insecticide, isn't it? And um, can you explain what it's doing to our insects when they land on the corn? Yes. So BT stands for bacteria called Bacillus thuringiensis. So they make it easiest by calling it BT. And if you go to a uh, garden shop, you can find BT spray, which is bacteria that's been gathered up from soil, and it has a insect-killing property. It breaks open the stomach of insects to kill them. Now, you can spray it on crops, and then it washes off or biodegrades, and so within a few days, it's basically gone. But the genetic engineers have taken the gene from the soil bacterium and put it into the DNA of corn or cotton plants. Now, the, produce, the production of that BT toxin in the corn is in concentrations that are thousands of times that found in the spray. It's a more toxic variety, and it kills insects in the same way. It pokes little holes in the cell walls of their guts to kill them. And the excuse given to putting this poison into our food supply is that it had no impact on human cells or even mammal cells, and that turned out to be false. The Bt toxin in its natural state has been shown to cause allergic reactions in humans and mammals, tissue damage, etc., uh, etc. Et the Bt in the Bt corn has created massive immune responses, and now they have found that it pokes holes in human cells. So in the corn that we eat from this BT corn, we have a toxin that might cause allergic reactions or cause irritation and holes along our digestive tract, which could link to gastrointestinal disorders or even leaky gut, which is where there are holes in the walls of the digestive tract, allowing products that are not supposed to be in the bloodstream to get in there. And that is linked to cancer, to autism, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, inflammation, autoimmune disease, food allergies, and other diseases. So if it's doing that to the cell lining, and, you know, a cell in our body is very similar to our microbiomes, what could it be doing to the microbiomes in our intestinal tract? That's an excellent question. So as you know, the gut bacteria is plays a key role in health, and it's now basically a huge popular area of study because there's so many characteristics that are really powerful for determining health that are now just being discovered. Uh, the, cell, the, gut, the gut bacteria allows certain um, vitamins uh, to be assimilated, it creates certain vitamins, it is part of our immune system, and there's good gut bacteria and there's bad gut bacteria. Now, we know that in the only human feeding study ever published on the commercialized GMOs, part of the gene that was inserted into soybeans transferred into the DNA of bacteria living inside our intestines and may be continuing to function. This means that a gene that we eat could end up permanently inside our gut bacteria and produce these genetically modified proteins. Now, I'll get to the, to the soybeans in a minute, but before we get off of the BT corn, let's think what that might mean. If we eat a corn chip, and the corn chip has DNA in it, genes that produce this BT toxin, if that gene were to transfer to our gut bacteria, it might turn our gut bacteria into living pesticide factories. And so we would be producing this known allergen and toxin that pokes holes in human cells inside our intestines 24-7 on a continuous basis. Now, there was a study done in Canada where they found Bt toxin in the blood 
of 93% of the pregnant women tested and 80% of their unborn fetuses. And they were very confused as to why such a high percentage of the subjects had Bt toxin identified in their blood when, theoretically, the toxin should wash out very quickly. They weren't, these were Canadians, they weren't eating corn tortillas every day like they do in Mexico, so they wondered what the frequent source of Bt toxin would be for these Canadian women. Now they guessed that it was the milk and meat of animals that were eating the Bt corn as part of their feed, and that the Bt toxin ended up in their meat or milk or eggs, and that that ended up in these women, and it somehow got into their bloodstream, possibly through the holes that it created themselves. But I think a more plausible explanation is, since we know that genes can transfer to the DNA of gut bacteria and may continue to function, if they ate corn chips or polenta or corn uh, tortillas or cornbread in the past, and the gene transferred to their gut bacteria and continued to function, then they were producing this Bt toxin inside their intestines, and then perhaps the Bt toxin poked holes in the walls of their intestines, creating little holes to get through, and then the Bt toxin enters the blood. Now, if it enters the blood, another study on mice showed that it's toxic to blood, and it's toxic to the structure and function of red blood cells. If it gets into the unborn fetus, as we know it does, there's no blood-brain barrier to prevent the Bt toxin from going into the brain of the unborn fetus, and there it might poke holes causing cognitive or developmental disorders. So here's where we have a very serious potential threat, and there has been no research whatsoever to verify whether this is happening, but we do see a lot of evidence, both anecdotal evidence, clinical evidence, uh, correlational evidence, that consumption of this GMO corn is related to certain of these diseases that might be predicted if we are, in fact, eating an allergen and a whole-poking toxin. Oh, you know, I'm sitting here just um, shaking my head thinking, you know, what have we done? And um, can I just briefly summarize what you said? So you do not believe um, that it's the animals that are consuming this food that was causing this problem in um, Canadian pregnant women, but more so if they'd eaten a corn chip. And everyone's eaten a corn chip, and they've never probably looked that it's organic because it's usually in a bowl um, at a party. So... Um, you're, you're, you don't believe it's what the animals are eating, but rather what we eat directly. Is that what you're? Well, I, I, I won't say that. I don't believe. I don't. I won't say I will rule that out completely. Okay. You see, the biotech industry has claimed that the Bt toxin was destroyed in the digestive tract and doesn't even survive the stomach. Well, we know that that's not true from animal studies. They fed Bt toxin to animals and it caused um, tissue damage and immune system responses. But they're also, the, the independent scientists that did the study are going a step further and saying not only did it survive digestion in the animals, it then also survived digestion in the humans and then ended up in the blood. Mm -hmm. And I actually don't know if that's true. I don't, I'm not a scientist. I can't, and I only basically speak to dozens of scientists and get their opinions and I share with, with audiences what the scientists say. And I can tell you that there's some scientists believe that this is a plausible explanation. I just think it's a more plausible explanation that the source of the Bt toxin was that the Bt toxin gene has colonized the gut bacteria and it's being produced on a regular basis. Now, one of the reasons I say that is that normally there are barriers that prevent genes from plants that we eat to transfer to gut bacteria and to be expressed. They have to have a certain uh, physical characteristics, they have to have a certain on switch, etc., etc. All of those in the plant genes make it very, very unlikely that a plant gene will transfer and express in bacteria inside of us. But all of those barriers have been dismantled in the genetically engineered crops that use genes from bacteria and they don't have these certain characteristics that would prevent it from ending up taking residence in our mm. gut bacteria. So there's a lot of theoretical support. And then I've also given lectures to thousands and thousands of medical doctors and chiropractors and nutritionists and, uh, and naturopaths, and they're saying that they believe 
that the GMOs and this BT toxin may explain the huge rise in gastrointestinal disorders since the GMOs were introduced. And when I speak to audiences close to 100 events already, asking audiences to tell me how many people have gotten better from certain symptoms when they remove GMOs from their diet, the most popular symptom is always gastrointestinal. So these, this is, the BT toxin is one candidate for why GMOs might cause gastrointestinal disorders. And I think you're aware that there's a major competitor next to the BT corn that is also crying out to be evaluated by us as another potential reason why people are getting sick from GMOs. And that would be the Roundup Ready crops. Yeah, yeah, all of those. So you said that the BT corn, there's BT corn and BT cotton. Now we, I was just looking up our Australian, um, what, what's happening in Australia, and and we do have a worldwide audience, but many of ours are Australian. And I noticed that uh, cotton was done in 1996. Now I don't know whether that's BT cotton or not. And then in 2003, canola oil, and apparently they're the only two crops. Um, that are being grown in Australia, but there is some experimentation uh, being done, and we do import a lot of these foods. So can you tell me the nine foods that are now genetically modified around the world? Yes, and I believe that Australia has also grown genetically engineered carnations. I don't know if they're still current, but yes, the oh. cotton and the corn are the, are the other ones. Um, the, the nine... Food crops are soy and corn, uh, cotton, canola, sugar beets, which are used not for table beets but for sugar production in the United States. Um, also, there's alfalfa, which is used as hay for animals. There's papaya that's grown in either China or Hawaii. Most of that is genetically engineered. And then there's some yellow squash and zucchini. I don't know if you call it zucchini in Australia, but those are the two other vegetables that are genetically engineered. Now, no popcorn currently is genetically engineered, just the other types of corn that are used for tortillas and field corn, etc. You know, most people um, will acquaint cotton for clothing, but I, I just want to reiterate that cotton is used in um, oil production, and that it goes into our food supply as well. Right, cottonseed oil. And the thing is, um, the oil would not have any more BT in it because the protein portion is gone when they make the oil. But because the process of genetic engineering creates such massive collateral damage, there could be some fat-soluble toxin that's produced, just as we know that allergens are produced as a result of the process. There could be toxins produced from the process. And so using cottonseed oil that's genetically engineered has a greater risk for health than using natural cottonseed oil. Yeah. It just, um, it goes on and on. So for, for the consumer um, who says, okay, all right, I get all of this stuff, but how do I identify packaging um, of foods um, that could be GMO-free or, or not GMO-free? And um, you know, how, how do, is it marked? Is it on our packaging? Is there legislation? Uh, I did hear something was happening in California where even the public said that they don't care whether it's labeled or not. Could you explain what's happening with labeling of our food? Yes. So certainly the first question is how do you avoid GMOs given the current labels? And there is a labeling requirement in Australia, but it is full of um, loopholes. So if you have these processed ingredients like high fructose corn syrup or canola oil or cottonseed oil, there's no required label, even if the source is 100% genetically engineered. Um, so it's a, it's a very unfriendly uh, labeling law. It is not friendly to consumers, and it really needs to be overturned. There was a similar law years ago in, in, in Europe, but the European citizens were absolutely outraged that you can have 100% genetically modified soybean oil and not even have a label on it. So they changed it so that if the derivative, if it's derived from GM soybeans, it must be labeled as GMO, but not so in Australia and New Zealand. Now, in order to avoid, if you have a question, uh, we have a shopping guide which has the derivatives of soy and corn 
and they have names like dextrose and maltodextrin and things like that, which you wouldn't necessarily know are from corn. And so the first thing you could do is just to try and avoid the at-risk ingredients. And you'll find that you'll be avoiding most processed foods because most processed foods will have the derivatives of soy, corn, cottonseed oil, or canola oil. The other way to do it is to buy organic, and organic products are not allowed to intentionally use GMOs, although sometimes contamination can occur. And there's also products that will be labeled non-GMO, whether or not it's organic. And certainly the manufacturer has taken steps to reduce or eliminate contamination. And if it says organic or it says non-GMO and it contains corn or soy, there still might be a tiny amount of contamination, but it's certainly safer and uh, much, much more likely to be the thing that we're looking for than something that will contain soy or corn derivatives that doesn't say organic and doesn't say non-GMO. There's also a shopping guide that Greenpeace put out specifically for Australia. I don't know how up-to-date it is. Yeah, that's um, truefoods.org.au. And yours um, is is it is an Android and an iPhone app, your application? Yeah, right now we only have an iPhone app because that's what our volunteer created for us. And that's at Shop No GMO. Shop No GMO is the name of the iPhone app. But whether you have an iPhone or not, you can go to the website, non-gmoshoppingguide.com. At non-gmoshoppingguide.com or at the iPhone uh, app, you can see the list of at-risk ingredients, the invisible ingredients that we call it, and you can also look at the um, over 16,500 products in the U.S. that have been verified as non-GMO. Some of those, of course, are sold around the world, but it's also true that sometimes companies will sell one product non-GMO in one continent and GMO in another. So back in 1999, mm. the food industry in Europe eliminated GMOs, including McDonald's and Burger King and Nestle's and Unilever, but only in Europe. The same companies sold GMOs in Australia, New Zealand, and the United States. Uh, look, you know, I was, um, I just want them to know where these foods are because I think they're hidden a lot of the time. So, um, firstly, you know, a lot of those oils, um, what we're finding is, um, like, say, margarine, which is, say, vegetable oil. So we don't even know where the source is. We don't know if it is a crop that's been genetically modified versus a crop that hasn't. So um, whenever I see vegetable oil, I always say to people, you know, stay away from it. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know whether it's genetically modified. So I, I guess that's a big one because that, all margarine and hydrogenated um, vegetable oils or even intersterified vegetable oils are in a lot of our processed foods, a lot of our packaged foods. Um, you know, they're, they're everywhere. Absolutely. And many people, when they avoid GMOs, and, and thousands of doctors in the United States are prescribing non-GMO diets to their patients. And so many people, and there's, there's actually 39% of Americans say they're reducing or avoiding GMOs. And so the non-GMO trend is huge. The non-GMO labeled products uh, had more increase of sales than any other uh, health or wellness labeled product two years ago and second fastest growth last year. Um, it's absolutely phenomenal. But one, one of the ways that people avoid GMOs is they reduce their processed foods and eat more mm. whole foods. Now, uh, this begs the question. If someone's switching to organic or they're switching to reduced processed foods and they notice some of the typical improvements in health, which, as we said, gastrointestinal, but also allergies, asthma, headaches, weight problems, skin conditions, blood sugar issues, behavioral conditions, especially with children, brain fog, depression, aggression. We've heard all of these multiple times. It's hard to know from a simply human experience whether or not it's the reduction in GMOs or the other benefits of an organic diet or a whole food, less processed diet. However, we have correlated evidence from other channels which give us more confidence that it's the GMOs that are a major contributor to these symptoms that are getting better on a non-GMO diet. First of all, when the animals are fed GMOs in lab studies, according to the American Academy of Environmental Medicine, the animals are suffering from gastrointestinal problems, immune problems, accelerated aging, organ damage, reproductive disorders, and problems with cholesterol and insulin. 
when livestock are taken off of GMOs, they don't switch to organic or reduce processed foods. It's a simple change from GM soy or corn to non-GM soy or corn, and the livestock get better from the same problems. And when we look at the charts of the increases in diseases in the United States, they drive, they're driven up with the introduction of GMOs, and so that gives additional support to this conclusion. And finally, when you look at the two main toxins in GMOs, we've discussed only one of them, the BT toxin. But if we look at the other one, the weed killer, primarily Roundup, they predispose us to these same diseases and disorders. So we're very confident that the anecdotal evidence that we're getting is backed up by the lab animal, by the case studies with livestock and pets, uh, supported by the charts and explained by what we know about these toxins. You know, one of the things um, that hasn't hit the big time here in Australia as far as what I believe people look for when they're, they're buying products is genetically modified foods. Because I was um, at a food fair in the U.S. early this year um, or a natural product fair and everything was about non-GMO. But you come back to Australia and it's not um, our biggest seller here. Organic is, I must admit. Um, and people are looking for additive-free. But I believe that that's where it's going to come. And you know what? We have a lot of advocates here about I quit sugar. And or and, and I'm not specifically just talking about one person who wrote that book, but there are a lot of people out there advocating about sugar. And what blows me away is that they are saying that, they, that we should be having dextrose. And now I heard you say... Um, that was, that was one of the things that could be made from corn, which could be BT corn. So, um, I, I just, I just want people to realize that we've get, got to get back to the natural food. Stop eating these foods that are manufactured and, and made by, um, industry. And, um, and realize that even though there's an advocate out there saying, eat dextrose, it may be genetically modified and it could be causing problems with your health as you've been explaining. Yeah, so a lot of people, what's happening here, as you saw, was it the Natural Products Expo in Anaheim that you were at? That's right, Jeffrey, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I was there as well, and I've been going there every year, and you could see over the last 10 years how the the demand and interest in non-GMO has grown and grown and grown and then absolutely skyrocketed. Um, it, there was so much so much discussion about GMOs, it's basically hit what we call a tipping point in the natural products industry. Uh, last March at the previous expo, the Whole Foods president, that's the largest healthy health food chain in the United States, said that uh, when a product becomes non-GMO product verified, project verified, it increases sales by 15 to 30 percent. Now that tells you right off that those that shop in natural food stores, they are sensitive to the GMOs and they're seeking non-GMO and they're willing to switch brands if something says non-GMO. And that announcement plus the fact that Whole Foods is going to require non-GMO project verification by 2018 plus just the tremendous awareness has resulted in a tipping point so that basically the entire natural products industry is becoming non-GMO as quick as possible. So we expect about 22,000 products to be verified non-GMO, and now there's spillover into the conventional food industry. And we expect a tipping point there, too. As soon as one of the mm -hmm. conventional brands that are not sold in the natural food space, but just in the Walmarts and whatnot, if that sells and increases market share because it says non-GMO, the rest of the food industry has to follow suit or they face potential loss of market share if their competitor declares non-GMO first and steals their customers. Now, we saw a tipping point in Europe. That's why GMOs were kicked out. It wasn't the government. It was the food industry reacting to consumer concern. We saw a tipping point against a genetically engineered drug called bovine growth hormone, Moms didn't want to have their kids eating milk from treated cows because there's a link to cancer. That was tipped out of the United States or most American dairies. So it takes a little effort by the educators. And I've been to, to Australia three times. You have some brilliant, brilliant non-GMO advocates there, and they've done an excellent job. And help them out, subscribe to their newsletters, pass them on, get the word out. And certainly we're going to see a tipping point in the mainstream food industry in the United States 
pretty soon, and that will help the Australian situation. But don't wait for us. Take hmm. take the initiative and start teaching others about these dangers. Yeah, and there's um, there's actually a West Australian farmer that's fighting. Um, his name, uh, the GMO industry, and it's um, it's Steve Marsh. Do you know much about how he's going and? Um, is, is 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 he winning the race against um, the the GMOs? Well, Steve Marsh is an organic farmer whose uh, crop was contaminated by a neighbor, and we have been waiting for the news to see if, in fact, he's won his court case. And um, I know that it ended. I just wonder. I haven't heard the news, and I was expect. I mean, I assume that I will get it eleven or twelve hmm. times in my inbox in the day that it's announced. <laughs> um, yeah. But but we are we are rooting for him, and it's really a pivotal precedent-setting case because many many organic farmers have been contaminated, but none before have actually filed a lawsuit. And obviously, it, there are farmers that have filed lawsuits, organic farmers, for being sprayed by illegal, unapproved uh, chemicals that will cause them to be decertified and lose money. But this is a kind of a different pollution. It's pollen pollution and seed pollution. And so we're we're all pulling for Steve Marsh, and the campaign basically says, I am Steve Marsh, because all of us are really represented in his fight. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I would love people who are listening to this to look up Steve and um, get on the bandwagon and support him and get on the Facebook page and, and, in, and everywhere that he is because, uh, look, he's one of the troopers. We've got quite a few troopers here in Australia and I see them being absolutely slaughtered, but they keep getting back up again and, and that's a wonderful thing. Now, one of the things when I read your book, um, I, you know, I made the decision. Look, I'd already been eating um, naturally um, because I've been a nutritionist for, you know, 30 years. But one of the things um, that I noticed that was in all chocolate was something called soya lecithin. And most people see it as a minor ingredient and don't really think about it. But um, when I realized that soy had been genetically modified, and most of it didn't say it was non-genetically modified soy lecithin, uh, I started to take that out um, and get rid of those chocolates. And do you know, when I first started to do this, there were not many chocolates out there with soy lecithin. In actual fact, I don't think there are any. I had to make my own. Uh, now I'm noticing a plethora of chocolate out there that doesn't have soy lecithin. What other foods that do you know of um, that this insidious food seems to um, go into? Have you have you noticed where it's going? Oh yeah, absolutely. So you see, when you start uh, becoming GMO sensitive. Uh, you can look at ingredient panel and within uh, a second you can see if there's soy lecithin or some of the other typical ingredients like soy protein isolate or soybean oil or canola oil, etc. Soy lecithin is an emulsifier, so it helps things blend up easily. And you, do, you don't need it for chocolate. There's some chocolates out there that don't use it at all, and there's some chocolates that say non-GMO soy lecithin, which is becoming, as you say, more popular in the natural food area in the United States. Now it's a tiny amount. Um, here's the thing. I'm going to give. I'm going to say that I cannot tell people with any level of confidence how much, how many, or how, what level of non-GMO commitment they need to have. I can say this: that the more refined something is, the more processed it is, the less negative impacts from being GMO there would be. So the dextrose or these, these, these derivatives of corn that are very, very, you know, fractionated, et cetera, they, they won't have any BT toxin in it. They won't have any protein. They won't have any DNA from the crop that can be transferred to the gut bacteria. Uh, but they may have some other, some other changes that occurred as a result of the process of genetic engineering. A far more dangerous thing would be to eat, would be to eat sweet corn in the United States from Monsanto's variety, which has the BT toxin gene, plus it's been sprayed with Roundup herbicide. Again, we haven't even talked about that danger. And um, so some people will, will be able to choose to be non-GMO at home where they have more control and less concerned about it when they go out to eat or someone else's house. Some people may 
may not be paying much attention if it's a tiny ingredient, and they'll pay a lot more attention when it's a major ingredient. And I can't say what is safe and what is not safe because there's not enough research. And oftentimes when independent scientists do the research, they have very great difficulty obtaining the seeds, do the research on, getting the money, getting it published. And if they do publish, they're often threatened, gagged, fired, jumped on. And they, their careers can be ruined by doing a good GMO research. And that's why hundreds of scientists who would have done research in this field refuse to do so because they put their careers at risk. And this is something that's been written up in major journals as well as in newspapers. It's in my book, Seeds of Deception, and it's very, very well known. Hmm. I, um, I'm, my parents, or my um, mother is from Iowa, USA, you know, corn-growing belt of the, of, um, the U.S. And I don't, I don't know if you have information on this, but um, the people who live around places where these, plant, these plants are being um, grown, have you noticed that their health um, is not good? Their well, beef rates actually, are huge. I yeah. live in Iowa, and we have huge numbers of acres dedicated to genetically modified soy and corn. Um, and I do think people have told me that in this last decade or so, the allergies have gotten worse. Uh, I noticed the uh, difficulties in my town. I've talked to a doctor who talks about when, when these fields are sprayed during spraying time, he gets a huge increase in the number of visits. Um, there was a, a, a village in the Philippines that virtually the entire village succumbed to a uh, sickness uh, after they woke up one day and the, there was a stench coming from the BT cornfield next door, just adjacent to the community. Someone went in to check and his face swelled up. And then the people living closest to the, to the corn got sick first and then it moved further away. And um, the same corn that was planted in four more villages the next year, similar situations occurred. And the, they blamed the corn on certain animal deaths and unexplained human deaths. Now, that may have been a particular, specific, unstable, uh, bizarre GM combination that caused the problem because that kind of thing has not been happening around the world. But it was, they did confirm an allergic response to BT in the people in the, in the village. And there was a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that there was some kind of instability in the plant. But even if it's not, you end up with the pollen of the BT crops, you have the BT toxin, and you also have the possibility of the DNA from the pollen uh, transferring in, or from the dust, transferring into our lungs and ending up colonizing the bacteria in the lungs or other parts mm -hmm. of our respiratory system. And that was warned, the, a UK government consultant sent a letter warning the Food and Drug Administration of the United States about that possibility. So, and that was completely ignored. In fact, I don't know if the people listening know this, but the FDA scientists uh, who were evaluating GMOs were adamant that GMOs were quite dangerous and could lead to allergies, toxins, new diseases, and nutritional problems, and urged long-term studies and, learn, and very, very careful analysis. And that was completely ignored by the political appointee in charge, who was Monsanto's former attorney. And he was... His, his, his policy claimed falsely that the agency wasn't aware of any information showing that GMOs were different, and therefore no testing or labeling was necessary. So it was a complete lie. Mm -hmm. It was a total lie. We didn't know that the, that the scientists at the FDA were, against, were concerned about GMOs until a lawsuit forced the FDA to turn over its documents. So you mentioned um, Monsanto just then, um, and you also mentioned DuPont. And what other companies are um, in this genetic um, modification and genetic engineering? Um, who else is in it? DuPont, Monsanto? DuPont, Monsanto, Dow, Syngenta, and Bayer, and now also BASF. Now, these are drug companies, food companies, uh, often, often, and chemical like, like companies. Bayer, Bayer makes aspirin from one, from one of its divisions and and seeds from another. Monsanto used to be owned by a drug company. Uh, Syngenta was connected to Novartis before. That's a drug company. Uh, Dow and, and DuPont are chemical companies. 
um, that DuPont bought Pioneer Hybrid Seed. So, yeah, it's a mixture between uh, influence from pharmaceuticals and chemicals. So could our medications and our vitamins and minerals be laced with genetically modified um, or genetically engineered food-type substances, additives, preservatives, uh, even genetically modified production of um, vitamins. Could this be happening out there? Oh, yeah. Most vitamin C comes from corn, and most corn is, uh, and mostly of it comes from China, and China has genetically modified corn. Uh, vitamin E, a lot of it comes from soybeans. The excipients and the, the, the fillers and whatnot in these pills are often coming from GMOs. Um, even the capsules can come from gelatin from animals that have been fed GMOs. Um, there are certain amino acids that are grown from genetically modified microorganisms. So you could turn a genetically modified bacterium into a little factory to produce a drug or an amino acid. So aspartame, which is also called NutraSweet or Equal, is a, is a sweetener which comes from genetically modified bacteria. And um, we do a little bit of analysis of that in my book, Genetic Roulette. Uh, it turns out even if it weren't genetically engineered, it's probably extremely dangerous and should be avoided. If you just Google aspartame and symptoms, you can camp out for hours and absolutely never take aspartame again. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of the problems in the vitamins and minerals, and some of the companies are trying their best to eliminate the GM sources. And in some of the, in some of the categories, they have no choice. In other categories, they are coming up with alternatives. Um, I have um, a nephew who's a chemical engineer, and I asked him to look up some of this stuff for me um, because I was having difficulty finding how vitamins were made. And um, he looked back in, you know, the 1980s, what they would, how they were making vitamins versus how they're making it now. And a lot of the vitamins are being made through fermentation by genetically modified bacteria. Right, it's true. So it, yeah, it just, um, and we don't know. Like, there, I, I don't know about in America whether your supplements or your medications now say non-GMO. Do they? Um, some of them do. Yeah, absolutely. You can yeah. find non-GMO vitamin C, non-GMO vitamin E. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's there's one supplement company that uses whole food products, and everything that they have is non-GMO. That's New Chapter, and now has a lot of products and. Uh, Garden of Life is getting into the game for non-GMO verification. So, yeah, it, it's like you saw in the in the, in the um, convention in March, the food industry was basically turned, and now mm -hmm. the supplement industry is either doing their best or nervously hoping that it'll go away. <laughs> but I think most realize that it's it's not going away, and they're just trying to figure out what to do. They, they they've been slow because there's so many GMOs in there. They didn't really want to raise the, the, the flag, but now they have to. Yeah, they do. I actually went through the supplement part, and um, it was so funny because I went to, I think it was, I think it was Dow, I think, uh, or, or a subsidiary of theirs, and I looked at their raw ingredients, and their vitamins and minerals had the brightness of iridescence, wow. um, and then right beside them was the gentleman that was taking the, the vitamins and minerals from food, such as the peel of a lime or, you know, all non-GMO. And all of the all of the single ingredients had a very neutral uh, food-based color. Um, it was quite interesting to see it. I actually took photos and then married them together so people could see, you know, exactly what was happening. Uh, so another question I have for you, because what I, I believe I read in your book, now I read your book when it first came out, so I, I seem, seem to remember um, you talking about experiments with animals that when they are given two different groups of food, one genetically modified and one um, that's not genetically modified, they will always eat the non-genetically modified food. So what makes them smart and us dumb? What, what, what is it? It's a good question. Um, well, it turns out... Uh, we don't know exactly why so many types of animals, when given a choice, avoid the GMOs and go to the non-GMOs. And we're talking about cows, pigs, squirrels, geese, elk, deer, raccoons, rats, mice, chickens, dogs, and buffalo so far. Um, 
there was uh, some recent evidence where they looked at GM versus non-GM corn and found not only was the corn that was genetically modified completely depleted of nutrients by comparison, but also had high levels of formaldehyde. And the theory is that when it was sprayed with Roundup, you see most of the GM crops are called Roundup Ready. And Roundup Ready means that they're ready to be sprayed with Roundup Weed Killer. Normally, Roundup will kill the crops, but not the genetically engineered crops. Now, it the Roundup gets absorbed into the plant, and about 80% sticks around in the plant, much of that in the food portion that we eat. Now, the Roundup does all sorts of changes to the biochemistry of the plant, which can make the plant quite dangerous in many people's opinions. And it may be that the Roundup allows for the formation of formaldehyde, which, of course, animals can smell at low levels. Uh So maybe it's the formaldehyde. But that's only one possible explanation. And there's, we think that there may be more going on besides that. And maybe their senses are just a little bit more acute um, as far as their smell than ours, as, as we know. Right. So that, that's interesting. So I have um, one last question to ask you. If we continue this technology, what do you think will happen to the health of the planet, animals and humans? That's a great question, and I think what I want to do is I want to finish up the discussion of Roundup before I answer that, because there's so much evidence on that, if it's okay, just to add to the bigger picture. Um, Roundup kills the beneficial gut bacteria, like the lactobacillus and and the bifidobacteria, and it does not kill the negative stuff, like salmonella, botulism, and E. coli. So it can cause destruction of the beneficial bacteria and overgrowth of the negative stuff, which can lead to gases as well as the production of of products that can um, cause leaky gut or holes in the walls of the cells. Uh, We talked about that already. Um, Mm -hmm. It also can, Roundup can directly negatively affect the microvilli, the, the, the walls of the intestines that do the absorption of food. It can suppress digestive enzymes. It blocks the production by the gut bacteria of tryptophan, which is necessary to produce serotonin and melatonin. So that could explain some of the moods and sleeplessness and other problems associated with GMOs. It also blocks the the metabolic pathway that helps detox the body through the liver so that a lot of other toxins can become far more dangerous. It's an endocrine disruptor and has been linked to birth defects and other problems with reproductivity like the Roundup Ready soybeans fed to lab animals has caused damage to the testicles, uterus, ovaries, uh, five-fold increase in infant mortality, smaller babies, fewer babies, sterile babies, etc., including um, birth defects among the the animals. Um, And it also can bind with nutrients like minerals, making them unavailable. So it's a perfect storm. And when you look at all of the biochemical changes that Roundup creates, as some scientists have recently, they have linked it to cancer, heart disease, obesity, diabetes, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, uh, uh, anorexia, um, uh, autism, gastrointestinal disorders, reproductive disorders, etc., 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 as well as the gluten-related disorders and kidney failure. So if we continue with this, and keep feeding people Roundup, not just in Roundup-ready crops, but now it's being sprayed on many things as a ripening agent, so it's even in non-GM crops, then we're going to be, in my opinion, faced with massive increase in diseases, which are already on the rise. So if you look just at the increased use of Roundup in the United States, it correlates with certain cancers that where are the of tissues that are the target tissue for the concentration of it. It correlates with all sorts of other really serious and sometimes fatal diseases. So what we're seeing in the gen, in this generation in the United States is in an, is quite quite a, a sad situation. Many years ago, a Japanese commenter said, "We don't want the GMOs. We're waiting to see what happens to the children of the, in the United States in 10 years." Well, if they're still paying attention they're never going to touch GMOs because this generation is just has epidemic after epidemic. And we mm. think that much of it is GMO related. So I think we the good news is that we're actually seeing the formation of a coming tipping point in the mainstream. The natural products industry has tipped, but we want the mainstream to tip. 
Our Institute for Responsible Technology is dedicated to that. We helped engineer the first tipping point here, and we are engineering the remaining tipping point. Um, the labeling is on fire in the United States. The state of Vermont just passed a labeling law, which should go into effect on July 1st, 2016, if it's not blocked by lawsuits or the federal government. And so we're we're really seeing an emergence here like never before. Yeah, which is wonderful. So let's hope that question that I asked you um, doesn't come, you know, that I don't have to ask you that in 10 years' time and you know the answer to it. It would just be wonderful. Um, all right, so people need to know um, how to get this information out. So I would say, like, if I was listening to this, and I have been, um, you know, we want to get this information out. And, yes, I do get this information out and I'm always talking about it. But for the for the lay person who's listening to this, who wants to tell their family, um, I I would recommend that they they get your your DVD. Would you say that's a really good place to start and have a family movie and a family discussion or a family and friends? Well, this this series is called you know your your website is changing habits and we have we have actually tested the ability of the film to change people's habits and it turns out it's the most effective tool we have ever seen, not just created ourselves, but we've ever seen anywhere to convince people to stop eating GMOs. And it's called Genetic Roulette, The Gamble of Our Lives. Um, and it's available at geneticrouletteMovie.com. And that certainly is the number one piece for a quick, powerful, in-depth discussion of what could possibly go wrong and why these dangerous products were allowed on the market in the first place. So, yeah, it's easier than, than a book. It's quick, it's up-to-date, and it's uh, people that like it. We've seen more than 2 million people have seen it online. It's it's very popular. Wow, that's brilliant. And then um, your two books, I, I suggest they get Seeds of Deception, Exposing Industry and Government Lies About the Safety Genetically um, Engineered Foods You're Eating. Um, as You've got two books, How to Haven't You, as well as Genetic right, yeah. Roulette, the other one, Documented Health it, Risks. Yeah. Right. Genetic Roulette is, is the left brain book, which has the science, well, well indexed, easy to scan or go in depth. And Seeds of Deception is the right brain book with stories. And it describes in story format why GMOs are dangerous and some of the ways that the biotech industry has rigged research and attacked scientists and covered up problems, etc. Mm -hmm. So it's funner to read, uh, but it's not the... <laughs> It's not the references at a, at a glance. And that, that, yeah. the, the, the funner to weed one turned out to be the world's best selling book on GMOs just because of that. Yeah. Oh, just, um, just aside from, um, just talking about where we can go, have you ever been gay? No, no. Um, wow. I, you see, I was aware when I published the book Seeds of Deception that some others had, um, lost their publisher when a threatening letter from Monsanto uh, scared the publisher, and three days before it was to come off the printer, the publisher canceled the publication, and they had to find a different publisher. So I turned down a publisher offering to publish my book and said, no, I have to publish it myself. I need to keep control. And so I don't, I don't have a boss, and I, don't, I can't be threatened that way. And uh, so I've never been sued or threatened to be sued and, and never been gagged. But I interview a lot of people who've had all of that. And so yeah. um, that's one of the roles that I take. Oh, well, good. I'm glad they have it. So uh, another place that they can go for information is um, www.responsibletechnology.org. Yes, um, responsibletechnology.org. Yeah, that's that's like the mothership of the information that we have. And the best, the first thing to do there is to subscribe to the newsletter so that you can stay up to date and we can keep people informed about late-breaking news. But that's got videos and it's got audios, it's got articles, um, and uh, a lot of information. And um, also, of course, I travel all over, and my, my travel schedule's there. And when I was in New Zealand last year, I spoke to the regulators of Australia and New Zealand by direct and also by video conference, and it was very, very funny to see just how completely out of date and out of scientific mainstream they were, claiming that that they didn't need to do any type of testing for animals on GMOs. They didn't have to look at any of these other things that, that most every other scientist that I've interviewed, you know, raises the alarm about. So I don't think that the Australian people should think that their government is protecting them. We've seen firsthand how their regulators are simply 
completely out of touch with current science on the issue, and yet they're they're absolutely convinced that they're they're doing fine by just allowing these products to come on the market one after the other. Yeah, for Sands isn't the, my favourite um, <laughs> place to go for information, and I don't trust them at all. I've seen I've seen what they've done in the food industry, let alone what what they're doing with the genetically modified. Um, aspects of agriculture and food. So just if you're in Australia also, um, truefood.org.au has an Australian downloadable product that you can see what companies are GMO and non. But I find that Australian and American um, products are much the same. There's, there's not many companies that are different except for our very, you know, homegrown, home root um, um, places here. So I, look, I love the app. I think the app's brilliant, but truefoods.org.au for the Australian and Madge, as in the name Madge, um, which stands for Mothers Mystifying Genetic Engineering.org.au. She, this is a woman who's an advocate. Um, and I think you've, I've seen, um, pictures of you with her, Jeffrey. So this wonderful lady that has Madge. So I want to, um, Thank Jeffrey very much for spending this hour with us. I also want to thank um, everyone from around the world who has contributed to this call and been online to hear the incredible wisdom of Jeffrey Smith. And thank you for taking the time out of your day and night to improve your knowledge on health and well-being in order to change your life and that of your families, friends, community, state and country. We all have a part to play in this change. So be part of the ripple effect that is changing the world. If you've enjoyed this podcast, this very informative podcast that makes you think twice about what you're consuming and how our foods are being produced, please go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and leave any comments or questions or ideas that you want um, or people you want us to interview or things that you want us to talk about. Or you can go to our Facebook page, which is the www Facebook forward slash up for a chat. And please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and be part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.